This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, welcome to the Jason in the House podcast. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and I'm really excited about today's show because we got Kirk Cameron coming to join us. Uh, you know, we've uh, I've seen him for decades, really. I mean, he, he was the star of Growing Pains. But you know what? Late in life here, he's uh, later in life, he's just doing great things. Talking about families and kids and things that really matter. And I, I, I he's just really, I'm really fascinated and really looking forward to talking with him. So um, we're, we're going to have a chat with him. We're also going to talk just a couple of things in the news and then highlight the stupid because you know what? There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And then we'll get on the phone and uh, and uh, phone a friend, although I've never talked to him before. But Kirk Cameron, I'm really looking forward to this. So let's get right into the news because I want to call up Kirk Cameron sooner rather than later. But I want to highlight a few things. Uh, this hearing that was held by James Comer, the Oversight Committee. Look, I used to chair the Oversight Committee. Uh, it was an honor, honor and a privilege to do so. I am so highly impressed with the velocity and the breadth of which this committee in really just about seven months time has taken this on. Now, remember, they they didn't even figure out who the speaker was going to be until, you know, the first few days of January, let alone be able to implement the committee and then allow the staff and the committee members to start to do their work. But that hearing is as important as there is. And we should probably do a whole show on just that. But suffice it to say, in the news, these are things that matter. Making sure that we have the proper oversight is critical. Number two on that list, I still, still baffled by the Secret Service's lack of desire and curiosity and commitment to implement the law by the White House finding cocaine at the White House. Now, remember, they thought it, ha it was a hazardous material. They did not know what it was when it was first found. It was a white powdery substance. They had to call in the hazardous materials crew to come in and look at that. But then for them 10 days later to suggest that, oh, we just won't be able to figure it out. I think the first in question, the biggest question is, where was it really? Because there are some reports unverified. That's why I say it's a question, okay? And I take that seriously. It's a question. It's not a conclusion. A question, where was the hazmat team called? And where did they respond to? Because my guess is somebody didn't get it wrong and then they moved later. My guess is that's really where it was found. So if I was the oversight chair, uh, I think they should be moving on talking to that hazmat crew and listening to those 911 calls. And if there's any silver lining in any of this, it's the idea that this investigation is closed. Well, then there's no excuse not to show everything that they have. Pictures, videos, um, information about the hazmat team. All of that is the purview of the Oversight Committee. Oversight Committee has purview of anything happens at the White House. 
That's their jurisdiction. So they should be continuing to look after that. And the last thing I wanted to mention uh, on the news part, um, a couple of weeks ago it was revealed, I think it was Axios that came out with this. They were talking about the fundraising numbers of the various candidates and who has the most cash on hand. But the newsy thing that I also thought came out of this, um, after some impressive numbers, by the way, you know, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and the, the probably the one that impressed me the most was, was uh, Senator Tim Scott. Uh, 20 plus million dollars cash on hand. I think he was number two um, and uh, starting to spend some of that money now. But moving up in the polls, I thought it was very impressive. Uh, but nevertheless, um, the, the the important thing that came out of this that nobody really reported on is that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the reelection effort, you know how many employees they have working on their campaign? Four. That does not sound like a serious effort. Now, moments after that announcement came out, uh, it took them a day or so, uh, but then they announced that three or four other people were going to be joining the campaign. I think it was a reaction to being terribly embarrassed that there is no serious effort for Joe Biden. Now, the DNC is obviously raising money, the Democratic National Committee. Um, There are efforts out there. The president's doing fundraisers and whatnot but you're not putting together a ground game getting the signs out there getting all that if you've only got four people at this point in the game um when you are literally about six months out before the primaries and uh before the caucuses start happening and remember joe biden's not on the ballot in new hampshire and says he's going to ignore iowa and put all his marbles into uh, to South Carolina. But my guess, my bet, I've been on the record for this for a little while now, I don't think that he will be the nominee for the Democratic side of the aisle uh, for president. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, I think he'll be out before the end of this calendar year. That's just a guess. All right, time to bring on the stupid because you know what? There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. All right, I want to start with, uh, this happened just a little while ago. The Washington Post did this story, and it was about Luke Combs. And he had uh, covered, he recorded uh, Fast Car, which was a hit in the, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s by Tracy Chapman. And uh, it was a huge hit. I mean, you could not be in this country listening to the radio. You would hear Fast Car. It was everywhere. It was omnipresent. It's a great song. And the Washington Post tried to come out and say, well, you know, now that Luke Combs has taken this to the number two country hit in the country, that that's somehow racist. They got this absolutely, totally and completely backwards. The idea that Luke Combs covered this song by Tracy Chapman um, is a testament to the strength of the song, the writing that Tracy Chapman did on this song. And as Luke Combs came out and said, I loved it. It was, a, it was one of the first songs I remember with my dad. It just means a lot to me. That's why I wanted to cover it. Instead, the Washington Post tried to make it some racial thing about LGBTQ. I mean, they were just trying to divide the country. They got it totally 100% completely wrong. It's worthy of highlighting that this was absolutely bringing on the stupid. All right, and I want to move to this other story again. Uh, somebody trying to divide 
uh, the people, not the Americans, because this was the uh, this is the uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and you had members of the Muslim community actually come out and were complaining about some of the LGBTQ curriculum that was involved in some of the schooling efforts. Now Trudeau sitting around a group of people just chatting but being recorded and knowing he's being recorded, said, oh, this is just right-wing people down in the United States, right-wing politicians trying to, you know, weaponize this. No, it's not. No, it's not. These things really do happen. And you know what? The Muslim community, the Jewish community, the uh, anybody with kids and other, not anybody, but so many people with kids, I guess the general message here is they came out and they did not like what was being thrust upon them in terms of how they were trying to portray that community. Now, listen, for adults, it's a totally different thing. But when you go after people's religion, we go after their kids and start to do things, you're going to be some pushback. And evidently, this pushback from the Muslim community in Canada was too much for Justin Trudeau. That is absolutely stupid. It has nothing to do with right-wing fanaticism in in the United States. It has everything to do with being offensive to the religion and what they're trying to teach their kids. That's the concern. And, And I think that's a legitimate point, and it will continue to get pushed back as long as you go after kids and you go after religion. That's the problem. And if you get past that, Hey, we can have a good, healthy discussion. But if you're going to do that, don't be surprised when you get some pushback. All right. Time to phone a friend. And I'm really excited to call Kirk Cameron because, um, like I said, I don't really know Kirk. But uh, I look forward to having a good, healthy discussion with him. I watched from afar, really admired what he's done and how he's done it. And so let's give a call to Kirk Cameron. Thank you so much for joining. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. I was going to be with you in person, but, you know, I flew back to Utah. I'm not in Utah. I'm not there. So uh, not in New York. Um, but thanks for coming in. I do appreciate it. Yeah, my, my, my pleasure. You know, um, I'd like and admire people who decide to get into the fray a little bit because they believe in principle for what they believe in. And, and I've seen what you've been doing. You know, I, I read about how you went into Loudoun County, the heart of where so many of these controversies are about these radical ideas that parents might be involved and engaged in what's being taught to their kids. It's a pretty radical idea. And so I appreciate getting in the fray. Tell me what you're doing and why you're doing it. Well, uh, Beginning about last Christmas, I wrote a children's book with my uh, book publishing partner, Brave Books, and I, I love working with them because they they know who they are. They're not caving to public pressure, and they're not betraying their audience's values. In fact, there's look, look, we're about pro-God, pro-America values, and they're embedded into our books in stories that kids love. And I was like, hey, I'm I, I'm in. Let's let's do one. So we wrote a book called As You Grow, and it teaches kids biblical wisdom and how to grow the fruit of the spirit. That is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And I wanted to do a public
public story time reading at a library, and I was denied by over 50 woke libraries that previously held drag queen story hours. So if you want to be a dude uh, pretending to be a woman in fishnet stockings and heels and even uh, have sexualized content for children, it's okay, sponsored by the library, using taxpayer dollars. But if you want to be me going in to talk about love, kindness, and faith in God and loving your family, it's a hard no. That's just, I mean. Yeah, crazy. It's, it's, it it's an upside crazy. down world and an inside out morality. So I called my friends uh, in the news world, uh, let them know that I sent a, a library, uh, letters to the library saying, this is the United States of America. And uh, I'd love for you to read a free copy of my book and see that these are values we want for all of our kids. Uh, but you can't discriminate based on your viewpoint and tell me that you're constituents don't want this kind of message at your library, um, which is what they told me. Uh, That's called discrimination. And I told them if they didn't reverse course that I'd be prepared to assert my constitutional rights in court. They caved. uh, We got to the library. And when we showed up in Indianapolis, the community that so-called was not aligned with our values showed up uh, 2,500 people strong, parents, children, overwhelming six floors of a giant library down the escalator, out the front door and down the street. And so that reminded me that perception's not reality and that the narrative coming down from the media elites or the government um, dictators do not represent the values of the people because all the moms and dads are going, thank you, thank you for not overlooking us. This is These are the values we want to get back to. And they were so grateful that that uh, the thousands of parents that never got into the reading room because the room they let us rent was so small, right? they set up their own little reading times in the aisles between the books in the library and read books to their children themselves and began singing songs like God Bless America and Amazing Grace. It was beautiful. Oh, that's great. Now, what age are we talking about here? We're talking about kids. Well, the books are written primarily for kids, I would say, Six to ten. Mm-hmm. But, you know, little kids love stories with exciting characters. And that's what Brave Books is all about is they've got action, adventure, danger. And they teach these lessons so seamlessly with the stories. Uh, you've got books like uh, mine, uh, Pride Comes Before the Fall. And, of course, that is being released right now. And we're in the middle of a month where we're celebrating pride as a good thing. And in reality, uh, pride is the opposite of kindness and love and and everything that we want to teach our kids. So uh, books like uh, The Island of Free Ice Cream, and it's warning the kids about the dangers of socialism or extolling the virtues of love and kindness and gentleness and peace uh, like the other books. So it's super cool. I'm excited to be a part of it, and the kids are loving it. Tell me about the, the writing process itself. Do you do that with your wife? Do you do, you do it by yourself? Mm. Do you, is there like a group? you like, hey, let's sit down and outline this. I, how did that work for Kirk Cameron? Well, uh, it's it's been a collaborative process. Uh, yeah, I talk about it with my wife and with my kids and see what they think. And, and uh, Brave Books has got these incredible illustrators that illustrate and then writers that help to write the books. And then they're, in the back of the books, there are actually family games and contests that reinforce the values in the context of family time. So you read the story, you play the games, and by the end of it, the kids totally get it. And um, I'm, I'm an associate in the process of all of those things. 
You know, once upon a time, uh, I used to be in Congress. And it's really interesting because I would go to schools and um, I would do a kind of a very loose, hey, you're the House of Representatives, you're the Senate. I'd pick a president and a vice president. It was all fun. And then I'd have the kids raise their hand on what sort of bills do they want to offer. Like, And what I found is at their core, they're actually very conservative. They really do believe in self-reliance. They, they, they do believe in being fair. They, they don't believe that, you know, people should just kind of get away with things, even though I'd kind of set it up to see if they would go there. And it's interesting when you unfettered challenge them and ask them, I think they're so pure and they want to do so much good and they love their neighbor and they don't, they don't look at skin color. They don't, they, 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 they have their buddies and their friends and their girlfriends but this craziness that's injected on them right now, I mean, it's just pervasive. Mm. Well, you know, I, I'm a dad with six kids, so... Um, I, six I, kids? That's yeah. great. You're halfway there, Kirk, man. Keep going. Yeah, ha- halfway. Do you have 12? <laughs> no, I, I underperformed with only three, so... Okay, so you're only a quarter of the way there. Yeah, well, no... Well, I, my three kids are now grown. In fact, our youngest daughter just got married about four weeks ago. I'm so yeah. proud of her. But uh, well, you know, uh, I got you, grandkids. You, I got four grandkids at this point. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I'm not but, that much older. I'm a little bit older than you, but not a whole lot older. So, ki- ki- kids are interesting. Um, yeah, I, I find that everybody understands that that those who tell the stories to children control the future. Those who get into their hearts and their minds, the ideas they want them to, to um, adopt as their baseline for morality or who the good guys and the bad guys are in society, uh, mm-hmm. get to control the outcomes. And, and the bad guys know that and the good guys know that. So you could look into the Bible itself and we, we read, train up a child in the, in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Uh, teach these things to your kids. Um, first, get them into your own heart to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. And then when your kids wake up in the morning, when they walk down the street, when they go to school, when they get tucked into bed at night, teach these things to them. Well, to the degree that we hand our children over to others, namely government schools and uh, programs that usurp authority to program the hearts and minds of kids away from parents, uh, they end up using that same strategy. And you could, we could be talking about drag queens showing up at public libraries or schools we can be talking about DEI and other sorts of things that are being injected into curriculum at school for seven hours a day for our little ones. And then the bad guys end up becoming the good guys, and the good guys become the bad guys. And when it comes, uh, comes to the things you talked about, like, hey, um, people, people want to protect one another. Well, look, we, we, we've got hard leftists right now trying to protect the country from conservative Christian white men who they think are the worst monsters on the planet. So it really depends on who gets a hold of the hearts and minds when they're little, because that establishes your North star and you know, your heroes and your villains. And that's why I'm reading these books to kids in public libraries in hopes that I can inspire parents and grandparents to get back in front of the educational process for their kids and not let them be, intellectually and morally kidnapped by the radical woke mafia. 
Uh, totally, totally agree. I, I too came out with a new book. It's called The Puppeteers, The People Who Control, The People Who Control America. I wouldn't call it a kid's book, though. Um, but I did Good talk about um, kind of Randy Weingarten and the teachers union and this new phenomenon that they call uh, community schools. Um, they, they're so good at kind of manipulating the language, mm. you know, who would be opposed to a community school, but the whole idea is that they own the children. They, from everything from their haircut to what they dress, to their, um, liberal ideals, to what they're being educated, all of that and monetized by the way, because they give them free computers and they track everything they do. Um, but you know, and you hear from yeah. the president of the United States on down, people talking about there are children. Yeah. They're not your children. Yeah, Kirk. Right. We got to get rid of the I'm quoting someone. We got to get rid of this privatized idea that children belong to their parents. Um, they're all of our children. You know, when it goes back to right. Hillary Clinton, it takes a village community schools. If you really want to get the the all this is is code for. um authoritarian government educational camps turning your children into little lemmings that look to the state as provider and protector and we bring our tithes and offerings in the form of our taxes and we sacrifice our best and most at the altar of the dictator and and that's our our children it really is sort of a religious it's 100 percent a religion yeah. 1000%. Is there something Kirk that um that sparked this for you? Because my guess is you didn't just wake up day one day and say, "Oh, yeah, let's go do this." Yeah. I mean, you you obviously have a passion and a knowledge and action behind it. But what was that what happened early on? What was the spark that kind of got you going? I think uh I love life. I'm I'm so grateful, thankful for the the path that, that I um that I'm on. Uh, I, I, I came into the world um, and, and got came to the conclusion uh, that, that atheism is right. And then I had lost my faith in atheism, uh, got a rich, How? robust faith How? in God. How did that happen? How did it happen? Yeah. Well, like I said, was there, like I remember as a young kid, um, I couldn't have been four or five years old. I didn't grow up in a religious household, but there was this huge thunderstorm. And I had a babysitter and I was scared. I mean, I was really scared. Lights went out. I was Mm. in Northern California. And then our babysitter brought me into the bathroom. And it's one of my earliest memories and got down on our hands and knees. And she said a prayer and I felt this warmth and this comfort. And I can still feel it today. Some, you know, 50 years later, I can still feel it. And I, and I, but it, it changed like I didn't recognize it. Oh, that was a religious moment till I was older, but it happened to me, and I I couldn't deny that that happened to me. And so, you know, well, that's what I mean. Or were there things like that that hey, I'm in, you know, I got these atheist tendencies. I really don't know. I'm I'm kind of denying that it's there. But then that brought you back mm. to have this this strong faith that you have. When I was 14 years old, I started a TV show called Growing Pains. And when I was about 17 and a half, um, I met a really cute girl on the set who invited me to meet her family. And they, they were at church. So I showed up not believing any of this and couldn't believe that there were thousands of people inside this building that believed in an invisible being uh, hiding behind the clouds. And 
I heard a message that captured my attention. It convicted my conscience. I asked some questions later, read a great little book called More Than a Carpenter, referring to Jesus uh, and his identity, and came to the conclusion that, that maybe I was wrong in my atheism. And I prayed while sitting in the, the front seat of my car parked on the side of the road, and I asked, God, if you're real, I want to know. And would you make me the person I'm supposed to be? And I told a friend, went to church, read a Bible, and I started down a path of belief and faith with my eyes wide open. And um, I think it takes How more faith to be an then? atheist than it does to be a Christian in light of all of the evidence and what I've experienced. I was about 17 and a half years old. And that, I think, is the, the genesis of eyes opening up to the way the world really works. And then becoming a father and a husband, I've got a lot of skin in the game. I, I want right. a, a bright future for my kids. And that's why I started looking at things more uh, on, on, in, the, in the philosophical realms and the political realms. And you see that they're all connected economically, politically, uh, spiritually, morally. They all, they all matter. And that's why I'm doing things like making documentaries, teaching marriage and parenting uh, events, uh, homeschool conferences, and writing and reading books of virtue to children. How would you uh, coach or what advice would you give somebody who doesn't know how to pray or hasn't prayed before? Mm. How, what would you say to them? A young person, maybe a, a teenager. It could be an old person. I, 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 don't, I Maybe I probably should, shouldn't put an age limit on it or... But what would you tell somebody who really doesn't know how to pray? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Boy, there's so much that I want to say about about that. You know, it's it's important to to think about the fact that that God smells hypocrisy and it's repulsive to him. And the worst kind of hypocrisy is religious hypocrisy. So if there's someone who's wondering, hey, how do I pray? I'm, I'm assuming that uh Maybe you've never prayed before. And do you know that there's a kind of prayer that God doesn't listen to? And uh, how do I know that? He says this to us in his word in the Bible. And it's the kind of prayers that come from a religious hypocrite that thinks he's all that and so holier than thou that God doesn't even hear their prayers. He closes his ears and turns his face. But you know whose prayers he does hear? The prayers of a little child, the prayers of someone who recognizes that they need God and they have a heart that is open to learning. And it doesn't really matter what words you say per se, because God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. So my prayer, I believe, was heard in heaven and answered here in on earth in my life. And it was just like, God, I don't know anything about you. But I look up at the stars and I see something that blows my mind. I look around me at a sunset or the, the birth of a child and see the seasons that keep coming and going uh, year after year after year. And I think someone must have designed all of this. Would you please show me what I need to know? Put me on the right path. Open my eyes. I don't want to be a crazy uh, religious fanatic. But if you're there, I want to understand so I can live right. Um, show me the way. I think that's a great first direction. And yeah. I, in, 
of course, there's much more specific and there's a lot more knowledge to gain. But for me, that set me on my journey to knowing and loving God. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Kirk Cameron right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yeah, I, you know, we all have our own stories and people that have struggles. And and even if you are doing the right things, you still have struggles, right? Um, that's That's life on earth. But for me and my... Um, I, I was mesmerized by space. I was mesmerized by animals. And, and um, as a little kid, I, I think my parents thought I was going to be a zoologist because I, I couldn't get enough of, of animals in my life. But I, uh, it was that part in that time when I actually humbled myself as, you know, as somebody in their late teens and then finally, you know, turning the corner into 20 where, um, you know, I finally decided, Hey, yeah, you know, I don't think this just happened. It wasn't just some spot, some spontaneous combustion. And Oh, look how lucky we were that life was created on earth. I like that is that to me was just implausible. Mm. And so, um, but that humility and opening up your heart and then, just having that conversation and the peacefulness and the the solace of doing it by yourself is was what made the biggest difference for me in my life. Yeah, a minister, a friend of mine, told me in the early years of my faith journey, uh, Kirk, if anybody ever asks you, how did you find God in Hollywood? He said, mm-hmm. I, I want to remind you, you didn't find God. He wasn't lost. You were, and right. he found you. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, we have to remember that um, I, I God does I, I don't I don't accept God. Um, he doesn't need my acceptance. I need His. And yeah. what we can do is we can get down on our knees and assume a posture of humility, uh, contra the the declarations of pride that we're hearing all around us these days. I'm in New York City, walk down the street, and there's uh, there's just pride celebrations going on all the time, and and uh, it's it's so ironic. Um, a little diversion here, but but. Pride is often seen together with the word love, love, pride, pride, love. They go together, but they really don't. They really don't. Um, Pride is the opposite of love. Love is about others. It's about God. But pride separates us from God, and it's about ourself. So so really what we need to be um, doing is, is trading out the word pride for the word humility if we want to be known for our love. And um, again, that's... That's the beginning That's of prayer. Message. That's the yeah. beginning of a good marriage. That's the beginning of training your children. Others before me. Um, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. How can I be a servant to you and to others? If you go to KirkCameron.com, um, for those of us, those that are listening, you got a whole array of projects going on. I mean, I'm reading here the American Campfire Revival. The Homeschool Awakening. Uh, you got a couple new books. Um, well, the, the latest one is Pride Comes Before the Fall. Um, 
What else can people do to learn more about what you're doing? You can go to bravebooks.com. That's where I'd really recommend people go. Um, Brave Books is in the fight. They know who they are and whose they are. They're not Bud Light. They're not Target. They're not betraying the values of their customers and America. And they've got books that you can get for your kids and grandkids that will be an investment in their future by teaching them fearless faith and moral integrity. I love them. And um, my favorite thing that you've got there at bravebooks.com is their book of the month club. So you can get my book and another book uh, practically free if you sign up for the book of the month club, which delivers a new book to your front door with a pro-God, pro-America value uh, every month. Uh, One of my favorites is uh, the island of free ice cream, uh, warning kids about the dangers of socialism. They got another great book uh, dealing with the gender issue called Elephants Are Not Birds. And you're going to love these books because they're beautifully illustrated. They got excellent stories and all the games at the back reinforce the story, uh, the morals during family time. And you've also got a tour going on, right? Says That's right. I'm in New York City right now. Uh, I've just read my, my book, Pride Comes Before the Fall, at the Loudoun County Public Library. That's kind of right there in the belly of the beast right. where so many things happen. And the weekend before that, we were at uh, Seattle Public Library. And we've been in New York. Uh, we, we, we got pushed out here in New York and ended up in Bryant Park uh, with a bunch of parents and kids. And uh, D.C. and Los Angeles and lots of other libraries. Well, I, you know, there are a lot of us that really appreciate what you do and how you do it, because the, the, the message is from the, these radical, subversive, um, they, they just, they permeate. Yeah. And they, they try to make it cool. There's a, what I call a coolness quotient that, uh, that they try to get, which is, you know, the, the bait, the enticement that isn't going to take you down a path of, of happiness. And, yeah. uh, and I guess where I draw the line and where I get offended is when they start going after and mocking, but it's certainly when they start targeting and trying to uh, go after our kids at the youngest of ages. I mean, it's crazy how young they think they can sexualize kids and what they're and but that's what they want to do. They want to be first to market. They want to get there first and then create this diversion. Yeah, hundred percent, and 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 I don't blame them. Uh, think think about it. You're saying, I do. <laughs> okay, but 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 strategically, they're right on point, and right, it's exactly right. what you're doing. It's exactly what I'm doing. The whole idea is, you just said, I can't believe it. They're sexualizing the kids at such a young age. Well, you're assuming that sexual is, and I'm not saying you like. A, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. I'm on the same page as you. But but what we wrongly do is we wrongly. Uh, see what they're doing as crazy by going after them so young. But what do you and I do as parents? We want, we sing to our children in the, in the womb. We, they come out, but when they're taking their first breath, we are bathing them in the moral uh, soup that we want them to see as normal. And that is love and kindness and honoring God, loving your neighbor as yourself and honoring your parents as the authority in your life, seeing government as our representatives to hold back evil and protect the good. For, for the hard leftist, they're doing the same thing from the womb, toddler phase and elementary school. They're bathing them in the moral standards that they want them to grow up with as their normal. And that is don't obey your parents. In fact, 
obey the government as provider protector over and against God. And so we've got the same strategy. We've just got different gods. We've got different priorities. And our founders told us that all of our blessings, all of our success, all of our liberty was produced by the beautiful principles found in the scriptures and is dependent upon our continuing to teach them to our children at the youngest of ages. Kirk, I don't know how you did it, but you got your head screwed on straight for somebody that was hanging out in Hollywood as a late teenager and was yeah, a bro, teen I'm, I'm, idol. I'm Hollywood's prodigal son. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, seriously, tell me, how crazy was it? I mean, you were at the pinnacle of popularity and media exposure and everything in your late teens. How, what, how crazy was life back then for you? It was my normal so even crazy people think they're sane. Um, so for me, I, I you know, I, I went to school on the back lot of Warner Brothers Studios. For me, normal was walking down the street with hat with a hat and glasses, trying not to get recognized because I'd get you know held up, autographs and pictures and stuff. And it was it was weird, but you, but you get used to it. You got to normalize all that stuff just to function. And, and it was that was an era when you, no everybody didn't have a camera. Yeah. On their phone, yeah. like they right. do now. Right. I, 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 <laughs> that, that's right. You, you had a little bit more privacy than you do now. So, boy, but you know, it's interesting as I think about all this and with, with, all, with all the cameras on the street lights and your phone in your face uh, and, and microphones listening to everything you say, everybody's famous now. Um, they want to be famous, but heck, uh, Google, uh, Facebook, and the government, uh, they watch everything you do, they know who you are. Nobody can hide from anybody anymore. So I think what, what I did and what we need to do is we need to take a deep breath. We need to recalibrate and say, uh, who am I? Whose am I? What do I want to spend my time doing while I have time here on the earth? And for me, I like partnering with, with, with people like you and companies like Brave Books that get it and are investing in the next generations with a view, with a hundred year plan, a view to the future, not just about, you know, what am I going to do this weekend, but what are my grandchildren going to do a thousand weekends from now? And how can I invest in that today? You're listening to Jason in the house. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Kirk Cameron right after this. It's such a great message because the immediacy that these kids go through at such a young age, the immediate gratification that's just right there in the palm of their hand with the phone and they can see anything. They can, they just me, me, me now, 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 right yeah. away. The idea of, of hard work and a delayed gratification and, and, and understanding that there's so much that you can learn and that you'll feel so good about yourself and losing yourself in service yeah. and doing those types of having those types of experiences. That's what I worry. I worry like I worry that our kids don't get jobs early enough working for somebody else, learning the value yeah. of the dollar, learning how to work hard. Yeah. There's a lot to worry about in today's, you know, and my own kids are starting to have kids. I can't believe that. And you know, that'll happen for you as well. And then you think, oh my goodness, look at the world they're growing up in. Yeah. And I think we have to take responsibility and say they're growing up in the world that we have left for them. Yeah. And this has happened on our watch. Uh, I look at technology uh, similar to, let's just say guns uh, or a car. We, we can look at just a powerful machine that has great potential to alter people's lives. 
um, a gun can be used to hurt people and a gun can be used to protect your family. Yeah. So I don't think technology is inherently bad. In fact, we're using it right now to be able to to be able to do this podcast with you in Utah and me in here in New York City. I think the issue is who's going to educate the children, because we can use our kid, teach our kids to use their phone for great good, to raise money for incredible causes, to encourage people that live on the other side of the world, or we can use it or allow others to use it to suck our kids down. You know, the, 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 the little black gopher hole that leads them straight to hell. So let's, let, let's take responsibility and let's pull our kids out of uh, radical cult religions like leftism and secular humanism and bring them into the kingdom of light and love and others rather than pride and self. And then I think we've got a shot at it. Yeah, it's such a great message, Kirk. I before I let you go, um, I got a few rapid questions. We everybody who comes on the podcast got to go through the questions. Okay. I hope that's okay. Mm-hmm. You, I don't care how many episodes you filmed, but you know, I don't know that you're going to be properly prepared for these. Are you ready? I'm so ready. All right. Uh, first concert you attended? Hmm. Great question. I'm going back into my memory. I think a Bruce Springsteen concert. Oh, that's pretty good. That'd it might have be been a Prince concert, but I think it was a Bruce Springsteen concert. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, what was your first job? Uh, was it a TV acting gig or was it like, I, you know, I'm not saying, hey, Kurt, go take out the garbage. I'm saying working for somebody else. What was your first job? A fruit roll-ups commercial. <laughs> I love fruit roll-ups. You haven't stumped me yet. Do you remember how, if, if I can be so bold, how much did you get paid for a commercial back then <laughs> as a little kid? Probably like 10 grand, something like that. Really? That's, yeah. Well, that's pretty good for a day's that's work. baller for that. 10 years old. <laughs> what is What is the, uh, no wonder you want to do it. Um, what, did you have oh, a pet man. growing up? Did I, have a, did I have a what? A pet. I had a Chia pet. And Those are awesome. we never had fish or, or dogs or cats or birds. My dad grew up with a lot of animals on his farm. And so I think cleaning af- up after those things and, and, you know, seeing the mess they made kind of, you know, inoculated him yeah. from the joy of having pets. Um, if you could meet one person, you could say to your wife and kids, say, hey, you know what, uh, family, special treat tonight. We got somebody coming over to break bread and have have dinner with us tonight. Anybody in history, dead or alive? Oh, I get to go. Okay, I get to go back in history. Oh, man. I have come over. Yeah. I think I'd like to talk to King Alfred of Wessex in Britain during the ninth century, who defeated Guthrum, the Viking leader of that heathen horde, and talked with him about his faith, his family, and what gave him the courage to be a, a, a beast for for goodness, beauty, and truth. Wow! Now that's that's one of the most impressive answers I've ever had to that question. So, if you he's an impressive G- guy. If you can put Jason Chaffetz on your invite list, I'd really kind of appreciate it. So. Okay, <laughs> that would be a cool one. Uh, unique talent that nobody knows about. What can you do? Like, can you juggle? Can you do something? Like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I can play the na- the Native American. Wind flute. <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sit up on top of a mountain and I'll play that flute 
and you just I don't know. It just takes it'll, it takes you like to another Yanni? world when what you are, hear that. What's kind of kind of wow. All right, um, that's that is unique talent but, uh, that but, I had. But no see, idea I play about. like like Irish Celtic hymns and stuff. <laughs> so uh, a big one for me: pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes. Oh, Kirk, you were on such a roll. Judges do not like this answer. I want oh, you to know. Oh, well, it's that magical combination with that salty ham that makes it so good. Uh, it's not the ham I have a problem with. It's the pineapple. Oh, you don't like it? No, Bill. Bro, you're fruit? missing out. No, I like pineapple. I like pizza. I don't like pineapple on pizza. It's the salty sweet thing. I, you got to come over to my house. I'll, I'll make you a Hawaiian pizza you'll like. All right, I'll give it a go. We can play flutes and that'll be good. I have um, another talent. Actually, I have another talent. I make... I make the best chicken pot pie in the world. Really? Because I would never order a chicken pot pie. No, I I wouldn't either. That's that's why I had to go reinvent it. And it is the best in the whole world. It's Thanksgiving all year long. You you eat this chicken pot pie. It's not watery and weak with a couple of, you know, with with all carrots and milk with like a couple pieces of meat. This is Thanksgiving dinner, like all in a slice. If you have reinvented it and you make it sound awfully good, I think I would try it. All right, last question. Um, best advice you ever got? You can find it um, in the Bible that you have on your shelf, and it's in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Well, Kirk, this has been one of the the, the best uh, podcast interviews I've had. I, I you're inspirational in what you do and how you do it, and encourage people to go to kirkcameron.com, go to Brave Books. You can learn more about this. Follow them on on social media as well. You've got a great positive message that I think uh, so much of America and, and kids and families and parents and grandparents, they all need to hear. And I really appreciate taking the time to share with us today on the Jason in the house podcast. I really do. Jason's in the house. There we go. Not with Over you today. Sorry to miss you in person, <laughs> but I'm coming for chicken pot pie. So we'll figure Come on, that bro. out. Let's do it. Can't thank Kirk Cameron enough. What a nice guy. He's got his act together. Just, uh, I really, disappointed i couldn't be in new york when he was sitting in the studio and i was i was uh not there i would have liked to meet him in person but hopefully i will someday be able to meet him in person but until then a great message an important message and and it was a really good discussion i appreciate him taking the time i would appreciate if people could rate the podcast that would be really helpful i also want to remind people you can listen ad free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. want to thank you again for listening to the Jason in the House podcast. You can find more podcasts from the Fox News Network over at foxnewspodcast.com. Foxnewspodcast.com. A lot of good ones out there. Again, rate it, review it, subscribe to it. I'd appreciate it. I'm Jason Chaffetz. This has been... Jason in the house. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.